0: He taught them as one having authority. And from our psalm, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Those who act accordingly have a good understanding. I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. In this season, when football is coming to an end, hopefully not and N for the Ravens, and the presidential cycle is heating up, the word pundit keeps getting tossed around. Commentators who are subject matter experts and have insight based on their exposure and training have been labeled pundits. While contemporary commentators may possess particular knowledge in very narrow fields, it is a misnomer to call these commentators pundits. Words matter, because words are the primary way in which we frame reality. And so the word pundit is an Indo-European and specifically Sanskrit word, and pundits mean people who are wise and grounded in moral vision. Their wisdom stems from being schooled in offering knowledge, insight, and influencing the moral compass of rulers. Our lessons today all revolve around a notion of authority. The authority that the lessons speak about is very much related to the Sanskritic understanding of the word pundit. Let me also be clear. Scripture's use of the word authority is extremely different from the way the word authority is being used today. In our first lesson today, We read that Moses is reaching the promised land, and he is preparing people for this moment of transition. He is developing the succession plan, and slowly but surely, he is offering people a hope that a new leader will be found, and that God will raise up this new leader, someone who is going to guide them into the next chapter of their lives. the first lesson conveys is Moses' deep love. That even with the difficulties that he and his leadership faced, his initial trepidation, the constant arguments, bickering, the complaining, the sort of falling out of love and in love relationship that he had with people and with God, it is ultimately Moses' love for God and love for the people that won out. Moses' authority does not come from a title. He is not the liberator-in-chief. Rather, it is an authority that is born of love. Yes, he is a subject matter expert. He has been schooled in the Egyptian court. He knows the way of the land He is a nomad and a shepherd. Yet all of those skills are honed with love. And so we understand that his authority as a leader is rooted in communion with God, love of God, and a love for the people that he serves. The God who reveals God's self on a mountain, the God who leads People from the bondage of slavery and journeys with them entering into the land of promise. God uses all of creation and endows every individual, and particularly Moses, with a sense of authority. And it is this God who is incarnate in Jesus, and so we come to the gospel today. Jesus is teaching in the temple. People are astounded by his teaching, and the gospel writer quite frankly states, he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Remember, the scribes are a particular group of scholars within the tradition. While they may have functioned in different ways, the scribes mentioned in this text are probably akin to Supreme Court judicial clerks. These scribes are literally, literally, folks who study the grammar, which means the linguistic range and tradition of the teachings of Moses. And yes, they are subject matter experts. And yes, they engage in textual conversations and and, and textual battles. Yes, they possess book knowledge. But ultimately, they are not wise, for they lack the wisdom that Christ embodies. Remember earlier on in the Gospel of Mark, uh, the Gospel begins with the statement, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Well, let me offer this. If the kingdom of God has come near and Jesus is the king, Jesus certainly teaches with authority. But what type of authority? Well, just maybe the difference between Jesus' teaching of the text and the teaching of the scribes is centered on one word, the word love. Jesus prioritizes love of people and applies it to the canon of the law, while the scribes generally have a love of the practice of law over and above people. That is why Christ, who knows Scripture, can teach and combine it with authority because he has love. St. Paul picks up this philosophical prioritization in one of the most famous passages of Scripture, something that is read at every wedding that I've done here at St. Anne's, 1 Corinthians 13. In that passage, Paul wrote, If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And even if I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and even if I have all the faith in the world so as to remove mountains, if I have no love, I am nothing. Even if I give away all of my possessions, And I hand over my body so that I may boast, but have not love. I gain nothing. Jesus spoke with love and offered the tradition and testimony based on the love of God and the love of all creation and all of humanity. Friends, Christian authority is rooted in love. And it is because of that love based ethic, Paul writes in today's epistle We know that all of us possess knowledge. I mean, knowledge is Googleable, Bingable, or whatever search engine you use. Knowledge puffs up, but only love can build up. Anyone who claims to know anything or something, and yet does not, ne- does not necessarily have full knowledge in the words of Paul because they do not know God and God's love. So, as we enter into this season, the season when the ravens are, yes, fighting um, the chiefs, <laughs> and a season of deep partisans barring. How are we to live? As people of faith, it's not enough to know Scripture and tradition. We are ultimately called to season our reflection of Scripture and tradition with the salt and light of the love of Christ we should also be clear and intentional in the language that we use and who we trust. If Jesus is the Lord of our lives, then there are some substantive truth claims that he offers. For we rely on the authority of God made flesh and the Holy Spirit to help us sort through the weeds in discerning what we stand for, who we will cast our vote for, and what we are willing to exert our energy on. Just perhaps, just perhaps, in the midst of religious and political polarization, we, the church, has a role to reclaim what it means to lean on the authority of Christ. And I think the only way we do this is to be people of deep discernment and people of prayer. So for such a time as this, I'm gonna invite you to do something radical. Pick up your prayer book. It's in your pew rack. Turn with me to page 815. And if you are able I'm going to invite you to stand with me and pray the prayer for peace. Let us pray together. Eternal God, in whose perfect kingdom no sword is drawn but the sword of righteousness, no strength known but the strength of love, so mightily spread abroad your spirit that all peoples may be gathered under the banner of the Prince of Peace as children of one Father, to whom be dominion and glory now and forever.